Welcome one, welcome all. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast, Rebirth, episode number seven, I believe. That's pretty interesting that the uh, host of his own show doesn't know what uh, what episode that he's on in his, in his season. Um, yeah, I would be, uh, yeah, we're looking at uh, episode, uh, episode number, yeah, the episode six or episode seven. I don't know. We'll fix that in editing, but uh, joining me today on the podcast, uh, a young man that I've been uh, really excited to uh, to get a hold of and, and get uh, get his opinion on things. This man uh, runs the uh, the platform. Um, he's an Orthodox uh, Christian owner and head coach of the Anti Fragile Fitness Platform, host of the Blood and Rain podcast. You can find him on Instagram under blood and rain we have uh his we'll have his link tree in the show notes below but he is uh he is arthur arthur of the blood and rain platform um arthur welcome to the podcast thank you so much for uh for joining me today i'm really excited to uh to be speaking with you thank you so much for having me john yeah yeah no worries yeah thank you for uh for, for joining me and uh, uh so you know i i'm this with this podcast I do things um, a little differently than some podcasts do on these long form interview conversations. I like to start off with some of the the hard hitting questions and topics right off the bat, just to to get uh, get everybody into it. But uh, you know, what one question that I ask every every guest, and and it's the kind of the the theme and the purpose of the show, and uh, is just to you know pose the question, you know, what does it mean to uh, what does it mean to be a man? uh, in the Western world in, uh, in 2022? Well, there's a number of ways to dissect that. Um, I think there's what it means to be a man in general. Um, what it means to be a man in the Western world is currently a very turbulent question. Um, you could ask what being a man is in the Western world about 60 plus years ago, some would say before World War One. um, some more traditional values in the West dying, uh, with World War One, which makes quite a bit of sense historically. Um, but my perspective on what it means to be a man came from a number of places. Um, I'm an only child. I'm a divorced kid. I didn't grow up with extended family. I didn't have any mentors um, growing up. So everything I learned, for the most part, with a few exceptions, the very key lessons from my father, um, I learned most of what it means to be a man on my own. Uh, but the examples uh, I had typically came in fighters, came in writers, um, I started piecing together what I saw is masculinity um, in a pretty unorthodox way. Um, I was also a big history buff growing up, uh, as was my father, I got that from him. So my earliest definitions of being a man were Hannibal Barca or George Patton, um, these great minds, these great tacticians. Um, later on, it had more to do with examples from people like Miyamoto Musashi, um, the author of the Book of Five Rings, so more of a militaristic mindset, but on a micro scale as opposed to a macro scale that you saw with the generals. 
Um, so living martially, living extremely disciplined uh, right from the get-go is a cornerstone to be a vegan man. Um, as far as the, the Western world goes, um, I think that all that comes from Catholic Europe. My father's a full-blooded Canary Islander. Canary Islands are owned by Spain. My mother is French Basque and Italian, so it's Catholic Europe, but I'm Orthodox. Orthodox. Uh, the heart of Orthodoxy kind of sits on the nexus of the East and the West. Um, so there's some things in masculinity that never died because they never really strayed from Christianity in the first place. And the best way to define a man is as God defines it. Um, now, there are two routes with this. There's the monastic path, um, which is a very, very different path from being a householder. Uh, being a monastic, your focus is prayer. Your focus is being a pillar of prayer um, for the entire world, which is a singular duty, which is very masculine. It's all-encompassing. Um, whereas being a householder is a bit more diversified. Um, you're a protector, you're a provider, uh, you're the spiritual leader of the house. Um, you're the first breadwinner. You are the first teacher. You are leading in every single aspect that a house needs to be led in. Um, and to me, the best way to facilitate that in terms of hierarchy right below the Christian definition of being a man is to live as martially as possible, um, to exude discipline uh, and what I call anti-fragility, as it seems to love would put it, um, in every situation, basically meaning you get better with pressure, you get better with randomness, you get better with um, with a varied a varied onslaught of, of pressures each and every day, and you don't you don't crack. You take these opportunities to get better, not only for yourself but for the example of your, your children and those in your immediate community, and maybe even further than that. So it's a bit of a long-winded, convoluted answer, but there it is. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly what we're looking for is those those long-form, in-depth answers. Um, yeah, I, I would just a couple things that came to mind while you were talking. I, I one of the the idea of just leading a disciplined life is um, something that I strive to do. I'm not always great at it, uh, but you know we we were actually talking before we started recording just about kind of the, uh, the time of day that you and I are, are usually up and awake and, and getting things started. You know, we start our days really, really early in the morning and, and, uh, and have a set list of things that, that we want to do during the day. And, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes I get not necessarily ridiculed, but I get kind of, you know, called on it a little bit like, Hey, you know, your, your life's a little too rigid. Well, discipline uh has helped me you know make make uh, growth in in my life for in many many ways and without discipline i i wouldn't have you know accomplished a few of the things that i have accomplished and uh, arthur i don't i don't think you know this about me but i uh, very recently uh, and kind of still am uh undergone a a huge uh weight loss journey and i actually have um have had my dietitian on on the show here a couple times just to kind of talk about that. I uh, in 2018 I I was uh, over 300 pounds, which was the heaviest I had ever been in my life. And to give you frame of reference, I'm five foot ten on a good day. So, you know, being over 300 pounds at that that height is is not obviously wasn't healthy. And um, uh, a, a good friend of mine, uh, his father passed away due to complications from sleep apnea because he was overweight and never got tested for it. And so I 
got tested for it and realized that, you know, weight was a problem and it's, it's been a problem in my family. And so I used, used that discipline to, uh, working with my dietitian and, and getting that plan that I got from him and used discipline from the, the, the plan that he set up for me to drop that weight. And, uh, three years later in 2021, I was, uh, 195 pounds. So I dropped over, over a hundred pounds, uh, 110 pounds uh, to be, be exact to um, get down to the size that I'm at now. And so right around now I've been hovering right around, you know, between 198 and, and 205. But I mean, that's a much healthier weight for me. Um, but all that to say is that discipline is key. And I, I think that is something that, that's key for uh, for a lot of men today is that they just lack discipline and lack lack a plan and pattern for their life. And um I'm sure you know who Jocko Wilnick is. He's he's uh you know one of one, one man that I look up to. Um and one of his famous sayings is that discipline equals freedom. And uh you can't um like like I said you can't um you you, you can't grow without uh, without discipline and and I really like the the idea of uh and I I'd never put it this way before but one thing that that a man, every man wants to be able to do is to be able to come through in pressure situations and uh, if, you know, you face those daily pressure, daily situations, uh, that daily pressure and you, you get, you get better for it, that anti, anti-fragile mindset. I think that's a great mindset for, uh, you know, for us to, to adopt and, and, uh, and dive into, um, one, one thing I, I do want to ask, it kind of ties into the, uh, the first question. And I, I kind of spoke on it a little bit here just now, but, um, want to get your opinion on kind of what the state of, uh, of masculinity is just kind of you know, what the, 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 your outlook is for, you know, for, for men in the world today. And, and, uh, you know, what, what is it, what, what, do, what is the current state? What's the current state of masculinity? What would you, how, how would you describe it? Pretty interesting question. Uh, I think this is probably a good time to kind of go over a bit of background about how Blood Rain came to be. Which, again, it'll be a long-winded answer, um, but mainly because I came to these things in a very unorthodox fashion. Um, in 2017, I was working for a company in Silicon Valley, and I had been working in this company for about three years at this point after coming back from acting school, or as they call it in England, uh, drama school in the UK. Um, and you know, I felt pretty comfortable. You know, life uh, was pretty low stakes. A lot of the people I saw around me were you know, working the tech job, not because they wanted to be in tech, but because they wanted to have a secure job. And they wanted to have a job that you know, gave them a 401k and just a bit of enough, you know, just enough comfort. So on the weekends, they could watch the NFL game and have a few IPAs, so on and so forth. Um, in drama school, despite its very high highs and low lows, what there was at all times was vitality because every single day we were dealing with the extremes of the human psyche in various different given circumstances. Uh, while in drama school, I began doing Muay Thai uh, at one of the best gyms not only in the UK, but in the world. Um, I had been searching for a physical pursuit that deeply fulfilled me. Uh, I was a track athlete in high school. Before that, I was a quarterback. And neither of those really fulfilled me, to be honest. Um, I wound up not playing uh, football in high school because I went to a school full of trust fund babies, and I just didn't get along with them, to be perfectly honest. Um, so I became a track athlete. That wasn't fulfilling enough for me. And I came to Muay Thai. And I was like, okay, this is it. 
like the, I threw two punches and a kick and I said, okay, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. And a few days after that, plain and simple. Um, and that's where I started cultivating masculinity. And I, I, again, it was, it was on my own. No one handed me rational mail or any of that red pill nonsense. No one handed me anything by Jack Donovan. I started piecing these things together with what I knew about the human psyche and the strong masculine characters I was always assigned to uh, in drama school. So fast forwarding back to 2017, I'm in this state in Silicon Valley. I was just caught on fire with Muay Thai. I was at a stage in my life where I came to orthodoxy. And at this time, I really didn't, I didn't look in the mirror and saw someone who wanted to be a husband. It wasn't that I didn't want to want it. But I just, that wasn't how I was wired. I felt that would be a better service to others. Um, at a single standpoint, I was voluntarily celibate, uh, refraining from any pornography, any masturbation. Um, I was going my own path, and no one around me was taking this path. And it was only inspired by some of the Orthodox saints and figures in the Bible. Um, you know, Mono Musashi, you mentioned Jocko Willink, David Goggins, all these kinds of people. I said, okay. Um, well, you know what? I'm looking around. I'm not seeing what the kind of men that I'm reading in these books. I'm not seeing the kind of men um, that I'm seeing examples of in the East, you know, in places like Russia and, you know, the Arabic world, um, parts of South America, parts of Asia. So I said, okay, well, no one's around. No one around me is doing it and I'm going to do it. And I don't want to get married because I just don't think I can hack it. Not, not that I don't want to hack it again. I think I'm going to be a Muay Thai fighter until the wheels fall off, and then I'll be a monk at the Law Monastery or Mount Athos, one of those places, if I don't die in the rain. And I started to cultivate more and more original poetry that sort of reflected this path, and one of those poems was Blood and Rain. It came to me after my first Orthodox Easter, as we called Pascha, in 2018. Uh, I separated from this path uh, after being led astray, which is a whole other different set of circumstances but as i told will spencer who you had on your podcast mm -hmm. i told him when i was a guest on his podcast that i got so far away from myself that the only way i could go was back towards myself um and that's when i started blood and rain, blood and rain again in december of 2020 and when i got into the scene i started looking around and seeing the state of masculinity and i started seeing all these accounts that were masculinity accounts and it honestly just seemed ridiculous to me. Like, I, I'm not knocking the work at all, but my initial reaction is like, why would we need to be taught this? Like, why would we need a book on how to be men? And then I started to realize that since I had opted out from everyone else and I had to be alone, most people couldn't opt out and they were surrounded by norms of globalism that threw them into a state that wasn't really manhood. It was like this toothless, feminized purposeless masculinity um so that really put into perspective where the state of masculinity is in the western world in particular uh, it's it's a it's a shell of what it once was although it is now coming back due to a lot of work from people like yourself and spencer but masculinity is is fine in a lot of other places in the world it's it's thriving in eastern europe because Eastern Europe went through a harder set of given circumstances with the Soviet Union and the Iron Curtain, so on and so forth. So that's why typically, honestly, I, I, tend, I tend to resonate more with people whose blood comes from Eastern Europe rather than Western Europe, because Western Europe tends to be quite leisurely in the past 
hundred years, and that leisure has led to sloth, and that sloth has led to an abandonment of duty, and that's yeah. the reason why we're in the situation that we are in now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you see, you see a lot of that in uh, in the United States, and and I saw, uh, I think it, it was it was a meme or it was an Instagram post the other day, and it really just kind of resonated with me a little bit that um, someone who was talking to their it was either their father or their grandfather in i think it was in iran and just talking about like i think it was there it had something to do with the, the the question over over gender identity and that that whole mess that that we're in right now about pronouns and and all that that bs and um and basically the response from from the elder person from from the eastern world was like yeah you people in the west don't have enough problems like you're creating problems for yourself that are just rather trivial and that's yeah i mean you talk about the the leisure that in in western europe and even in in the united states it's like you know we we just don't like after world war ii i mean you know what what else did we did we have as as a as a nation i mean there was you know vietnam just kind of totally turned everything on on its ear as far as looking at at least as looking at the the american soldier as a as a hero or as an honorable honorable man and and really started to sow a lot of distrust within within the government and, and my father was he was involved a little bit in uh in vietnam but um and did did i lose you there Arthur, are you still there? No, no, I'm just listening. Okay, okay. My uh, my screen just did something, just did something crazy. So um, I'm trying to figure that out. That's something that I can. That's one part of the conversation that I'll be editing out. Um, but uh, <laughs> but kind of, yeah, kind of hopping back in back into things. It it's just yeah. In in the West today, it's it is sad that we we've, we've got to teach this to uh, uh to young men but it, it's um you know it's it's vital that that we, that we do because we we have such a soft society now and and compared to compared to the rest of the world we've got it pretty we've got it pretty easy here in the united states and and so it's you know and i had um jonathan rios on on the podcast here a few a few episodes ago and and he one thing that he talked about was something that we're really lacking as a culture is uh uh, is that right of uh, of initiation that that we need to have as men? So um, I just you you had mentioned um, something in your in your previous answer about the uh, you know the red pill movement and groups and movements like you know I, I mentioned um, one of the groups that I bring up or the movements that I bring up is you know MGTOW men going their own way and you know guys that are that are in that space that that kind of their their feeling is is that things are kind of stacked against men and and that uh you know that, that really should just kind of unplug from from everything and and you know the reference to the red pill is kind of from the movie the matrix so i just want to get your your quick take on uh, on movements like the the red pill movement and prominent figures that are that are in that movement just get your your opinion on that and and uh we'll, we'll kind of jump jump off from there when did being a man become just being completely defined about how well you can ruin a woman in one night? Plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all they that's all they do. And it's it's uninteresting. Like it's it's not even 
like before we even get into the moral framework of it, it's just not interesting. Like, here's how you can sign up a woman into sleeping with you who normally wouldn't sleep with you. Maybe you should just actually cultivate all the aspects of being a man that you find that you're lacking in. And you wouldn't have these problems in the first place. And you would actually find a woman who would want to build something with you as her wife. But you want the instant gratification for whatever reason. It's 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 uninteresting and it's on a micro scale erodes erodes society because those small decisions have a massive ripple effect. Um, it's so much. So many men complain about quote unquote ruined women while they sleep around. Like my brother in Christ, you're the one ruining women. Yeah. So these men have nothing to offer us. These men are charlatans. These men, maybe maybe they taught a few guys how to how to be more confident with speech but there are plenty of people in the acting world and plenty of people in the true masculinity world who can teach you how to speak more confidently so these these people are teaching half truths that are giving masculinity a bad name and we're having to undo a lot of their damage because they're feeding into the whole toxic masculinity lie that you know the globalists are really trying to perpetuate at all times so these people are not our friends and and I, I respect an enemy I can see coming a lot more. You know, it's the, the globalists are very clearly our enemy, but these people are are wolves in sheep's clothing, these red pill types, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah. And and I think a lot of it comes from these guys who who do go red pill or MGTOW or whatever. It, it's they've just been they've been hurt by by society they've been hurt by by women and they haven't ever been trained or taught how to properly deal with that hurt and deal with that pain and the like you said there's there's people in the true masculinity space who can 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 teach you that and and you know teach you to speak more confidently be be more confident around women but also teach you how to deal with those those wounds that that life and and sometimes women have have inflicted and and i mean there's and i I bring this up and and i i actually started this podcast uh as to to get into the the true masculinity space as you describe it and just kind of be a, a counter to you know this this red pill movement that's online because i mean there's they say enough, like you said, they say enough truth to what there's enough truth to what they're saying. There's enough lure in there for someone who has been hurt that like, Hey, I can show you how to be, I can show you how to be more confident around women. I can show you how to make more money. I can show you how to get your life together and be a better version of yourself. But at the same time, you know, the, the version that, you know who these guys are it's it's so it's based so much in in worldly pleasures it's based so much in in secular thinking that that's not who god calls me to be and so that's my my i was first drawn to it because i wanted to be that better version of myself but then as the faithful man uh as a man of you know a man of god and as as a christian i just said you know well no i can't like this isn't who god calls me to be i'm not going to be a plate spinner i'm not going to be someone who sleeps around or, or, you know, tries to gain a woman's trust just so I can sleep with her. Like I, I'm, I'm more than that. And this is, this is who I need to, this is who I need, need to be. And so just work, working through that and just pro- providing another voice to, um, to, to be, you know, and that's kind of the, 
one of the reasons that I started my own my own platform and and uh, and you talked a little bit more about uh, about your platform and how you'd started with uh, with blood and rain and and I really do I really do love that title I uh, I was I, I when I first saw it, saw you on Instagram through uh, you know a guy that we uh, that we mutually follow um, masculine revival it was uh, it was I was like oh I I love you know love that title because I'm I, I like hard rock and heavy metal and, and, you know, I, I may or may not have that on my workout playlist, but, um, you know, it, it, it so it just kind of sounds, sounds like, it sounds like it would be like a heavy metal band or, or a song title like that. But, um, um, so, you know, one, one of the things that I, that I do want to ask, um, ask you a little bit here really quickly is, is you talk, you've got a, another, um, another platform, uh, on Instagram about it called anti-fragile fitness. And just want to, just want to ask you a little bit about that, what, what the inspiration was behind, uh, uh, starting that and, uh, and how, how things are going with that. And, uh, I actually, you gain good news. You gained another follower today because I, uh, I just started following that page on my personal Instagram account. So, um, kudos to you there, but, uh, I just want to talk, uh, ask you a little bit about, uh, about that and, uh, I'll let you jump in from there. Appreciate that. Thank you. First of all, um, second of all, yeah, this, the way anti-fragile fitness came about is a, was a long time coming. Um, you know, recapping my training history, gosh, beginning, let's say 2007, right? So 15 years ago, uh, I had a hell of an arm as a kid growing up. I could throw 50, 60 yards at 12 years old. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, my dad to this day is very sad that I didn't play high school and probably could have played college and who knows beyond that. Honestly. Um, so that was my first, my first love. I was a running quarterback too. I was from, okay. from the San Francisco Bay area. You know, Joe Montana and Steve Young are, are very much in the fabric of San Francisco. They're more, they're the kind of the few athletes, you know, that select few that kind of transcend the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, then I uh, I went to track and field. I was an 800 meter runner. I was very fast. Um, and then I was about to get kicked out of the high school I was going to for getting into various scraps with trust fund babies. Um, so I left before they could kick me out. And section rules uh, dictated that I could not uh, run varsity uh, for a year due to recruitment, you know, regulations. I think it had something to do with LeBron James being offered a Hummer back like in 2002 or something like that. I'm oh, not really yeah. entirely sure. Yeah, I, I remember um, that. Yeah, I'm I'm old yeah, enough that, to remember that. So you know, we'll... yeah, that old that old Bronny fiasco. Yeah. Um. So I uh yeah that was I was a track athlete. Um. When I got to drama school in England, uh, it's nine to six every day, wearing all black. It's a lot of physical work. Um. But it's more you know, getting super in control of every little micro movement in your body, so you're in full control. No, there's no weird twitch that your body's doing on stage that breaks the character breaks the suspended disbelief from the audience um but i was just like i need something more intense like i just i just can't with this honestly Mm -hmm. Uh, i can't with you know this lack of intensity and that's when i started muay thai um and i took to it very fast um these were coaches who you know they had plenty of plenty of members this is a very story gym in england and they said you know you can go as far in this as you want to you have like the natural talent for it um, or power wise, you know, it's power. You either have or you don't. Um, and when I had to leave England, I was very sad to leave Muay Thai. 
Um, so the only thing I had access to was a was a weights gym. So I started asking, I started harassing, you know, various sages of strength um, to coach me. Um, there was one man named Charlie Grazer, who was a Tennessee State champion bodybuilder and powerlifter, who I was like, hey, I want to commit to fighting. I need a strength coach. Will you mm-hmm. coach me. He's like, yeah. He was very helping on making me a bodybuilder, though, because my frame. So he gave me, you know, training that, you know, I got very strong and very big. Uh, my legs were like the size of cinder blocks, but I couldn't really properly kick and I was getting tuned up and sparring. So I said, okay, this probably isn't that. And I went to uh, a man who is a Bellator middleweight and old time strongman and learned quite a bit of uh, training from him, uh, opened up a bunch of new pathways movement wise. And I trained under a kettlebell expert and an old time strongman. Then I trained under a athletic performance coach. Um, and I developed by 2018, like very, very solid fitness, like a 550 deadlift, 450 squat, um, 315 bench. Um, I was still running a sub five mile time. I was fast. I could spar 10 rounds. I was working in bars 60 hours a week. Like I, I was just on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. I saved a bunch of money from, for about eight weeks working 90 hour weeks to move to New York city. And I wasn't training at this time. And I was used to lifting kegs up and down stairs because of, you know, the consistent deadlifting. And when I got to New York, I hadn't been training, but I thought I could do the same thing. And I sustained a lower back injury. Hmm. Uh, I had no, I, I didn't have enough money to hire a physical therapist. So I learned physical therapy by myself and rehab my own lower back injury. Um, by the time this happened, COVID hit in 2020. And you know, it was, I was had just the right setup bartending wise. I was working enough hours per week to fund everything, and then I uh, suddenly Uncle Gavin Newsom uh, shut down the bars in California, and I had three thousand dollars of monthly overhead and no way to pay it. And I refused to take unemployment because that goes against everything I stand for. I'm able-bodied, a sound mind. So I took jobs in overnight security and brunch bartending in various parts of the Bay Area, working forty literal forty-hour weekends. Um, extremely sleep deprived and I re-injured my lower back and had to rehab it again. And I started to do deep dives for about six months in rehab and the greatest sports scientists in human recorded history, the greatest MMA uh, conditioning coaches that ever lived of, you know, the greatest MMA champion of all time, Demetrius Johnson. And I started to see finally like the core principles of training. And I was like, wow, okay. And I found a way that I could, despite being malnourished, sleep deprived, um, and, you know, pretty much in poverty at this point, uh, I was putting hundreds of pounds on my lifts despite getting three hours of sleep. Um, So I found methodology that wouldn't break, uh, which is very valuable. And I finally had a full scope after eight years where I understood every aspect of fitness from an intermediate to an advanced level. Um, and I started to, when I blood and rain came out, I, I toured at the idea of being an online coach. I wasn't sure about it. I was thinking more copywriting. Um, so I could eventually move to Thailand and fight. Um, and I started giving her out free programs. to other content creators, uh, Neil Libertate, greater myth, um, trickster kin, uh, Colin Zastro. And they were thriving like on every metric, their endurance was up, their muscle was up, their strength was up. And they weren't destroying themselves was was key. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. Um, Last summer, uh, I was, it was like science sent and delivered. I was going to move to Thailand. I was getting the visa. 
and I was going to be there till I was like 42. And I said, I'm going to do this so the wheels fall off and then join the monastery. Um, at this point, too, I also returned to the Orthodox faith as an inquirer after a three-year absence. And I prayed to return to this path of what's called the green martyrdom, which is martyrdom through labor. And I felt those prayers denied for the first time, which made me very upset. Um, and I was introduced to a young woman on my birthday who shared my writing, which, you know, very clearly set in stone why I um, will not be moving to Thailand and mm. will actually be a husband after all and a father after all. Um, in January of this year, in my last in my last church service at Holy Virgin Cathedral, the Cathedral of St. John Maximovich in San Francisco, it became very clear to me that that last day, uh, before I was going to move to Texas, when I eventually moved to Chicago, um, that that was going to be my last day profiting off of poisoning people as a bartender. Um, I knew okay. the training had helped enough people that I could do it full time. And I said, you know, I will not profit from poisoning my fellow man. I will only profit from building my fellow man now on every metric. So on the bus ride back across San Francisco to get on the bar back to Oakland, I put out on my Instagram story, I'm starting an online training group and men's group. Uh, mm -hmm. At the time called Blood and Train Athletes, now Anti-Fragile Athletes is a rebranded to Anti-Fragile Fitness. Um, and every aspect of training will be cultivated, will be, every physical attribute will rise, um, both inside and outside of the gym. So this is fitness that you're ready at any given moment. This is fitness for first responders. This is, for fit this is fitness for new fathers, for traveling salesmen, for any given circumstances of being a man, because we're called to always be ready for any given situation, despite our given circumstances. So we need programming that is tailored to each and every individual for their given needs, their what they have access to, their diet, their goals, so on and so forth. That's what's different. That's what needs to be tailored because we're all coming from different given circumstances. We're all trying to go to different places, but the common praxis, the common praxis is training, the martial aspect of training. So it's both an online training group and a men's group. So mm -hmm. there are solo calls every single week for each client, but there's also a series of men's groups throughout the week where we get together and discuss training. And then we discuss things outside of the gym from as trivial to my dog pisses me off to I'm having thoughts of suicide. And we create, we try to solve the problem uh, in that men's group. And if it can't be solved, then we create a series of actionables to basically treat the situation outside of the gym as if it were something in the gym and simplify it mm -hmm. to accomplish yeah. it. So we're trying to create, and I, I don't see this just as fitness. I see this as, you know, I rub shoulders with a lot of content creators on adjacent spheres from mine who are very much wrapped up in the culture war from a macro level and politics from a macro level. Um, you know, a lot of the people who show up on academic agents and this versa podcast and things like this. And, I felt that they didn't really have a pathway for every single man to contribute, you know, to have their micro reach the macro. Yeah. Um, that's more Jocko Willink's wheelhouse, but it kind of sticks with the micro. It doesn't, he doesn't really touch politics or culture too much. So what a lot of my writing is becoming, and I'm releasing my sub stack today as we're recording this and all my content now, including my podcast, hmm. uh, is going to go through sub stack. It's going to be geared towards fighting this culture war on the macro but doing so in the micro each and every single day. As Musashi said, one, if one man can defeat 10, then that man can train 10 to defeat 100. Those 10 men or those 100 men can train, 10 men can train 100 to defeat 1,000, so on and so forth. 
So mm-hmm. we're getting everything refined in that group to help wage our war of this generation, which isn't a just war. Like you said, there's Vietnam was kind of the first unjust war for America. Um, so a lot of men wish there was something for initiate something like for initiation, um, mm-hmm. or something like a just war to fight, but there isn't. Yeah. Um, our war yeah. is Arthur. I'm going to have to uh, cut you off here for just a quick, a quick second. Uh, we'll we'll hop back into this on the other side of the break, but we're uh, we're coming up here on time here. Uh, so I will uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, he is uh, Arthur of uh, Blood and Rain and Anti Fragile Fitness. This is the Discovering Masculinity podcast, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the Discovering Masculinity Podcast Rebirth episode number seven, six or seven. I'm going to have to edit that and figure out which episode that I'm on because I've thankfully I've been able to do so many here the last few weeks that uh, that I have lost track. But uh, got it's got some really great episodes as part of this rebirth season. And uh, uh, joining me here for our second segment is Arthur of Blood and Rain and Anti Fragile Fitness. Uh, uh, Arthur, I uh, apologize for, for cutting you off there previously. We were up against the clock and, uh, you know, sometimes when you're doing these uh, recordings, you got to, you know, doing, doing stuff live, you got to um, jump in and do that. But I um, just want to uh, give you, give you a chance here to, uh, to pick up from where you left off. We were talking a little bit about, um, talking a little bit about your platform, uh, your, your fitness, uh, your fitness platform and your men's group and how you've been able to, to combine that and, and really bring things to, uh, uh, I guess for, for individual men, uh, to, you know, from, from the, uh, the, the micro to the, the macro, I guess is the, uh, the phrase that, that you were using. Um, and I believe you were talking a little bit about, you know, some of the wars that we had had as a, as a country and, and, uh, specifically, you know, the unjust war of, of, uh, of the Vietnam, uh, Vietnam war. So I'll let you, uh, kind of hop back in from there. And, uh, so, uh, uh, take it away from, uh, from there. Yeah, it was actually, I think it was about two words left before they uh, cut me off. I was just saying our war is uh, is a psychological war. Um, I think we all wish it was a physical war. I almost signed the dotted line for the Marines twice, once in 2014 and once in 2018. I just, I just knew what we were getting ourselves into as a country wasn't, you know, for the greater good at this point, which is a very tough pill to swallow. Um, and that has more to do with the psyche of a nation and Politics can only press you so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I think culture and politics have um, have a like, sort of like a bi-directional relationship. Culture can dictate the politics from the bottom up, and politics can dictate the culture from the top down. Um, the culture side is in our hands, and I think that's that's our front line. And it's tough because it's not something you just see in your face every single day. Right, um, it yeah. still needs to be recognized and fought. Yeah, yeah, that. I think that's one of the frustrating things that that men go through today, and and um, you know one of the things that um, one of the inspirations for for this podcast was actually John Eldridge's book Wild at Heart about about manhood, and um, 
I actually was fortunate enough to have John on the show uh, in 2021, uh, little, just just about a year ago that uh, that he and I spoke, and and that's one of the core things that he says in 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 his book is that that's one thing that every man wants and, and needs in his life is some type of a some type of a battle to fight, some type of a cause to to be a part of, and. You know, you you mentioned football, and and some of my listeners know know my past. I I played um, played football in in rural Michigan in a really small town. Uh, played both ways, and and um, I went to uh, went to college. Played Division three uh, football in college, and and um, the, the thing thing about football, and and even to a point, I, I guess with with combat sports or any, anything like that, is that that opponent or that enemy is is defined really clearly in front of you and and i kind of i I complain about this a little bit to my golf buddies and my golf instructors is that golf is so much more mental whereas you know football if you messed up on one play you could just take it out on the son of a bitch across from you on the next play and and you know at the end of the day you'd (laughs) shake hands you know so i mean it's and similar you know similar in in, i would imagine in in to to some extent with with combat sports it's just like yeah you know you 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 might mess something up or something might not go the way that you want it to go but you know you can collect yourself and, and you still have that clear thing in front of you and and being that this is more of a psychological and a, and, a, and a culture war and just how just how crazy things have gotten so quickly uh it, it's really it really does it really does kind of mess with the with with a man's soul i mean it's it's like what you know what what are what are we to do like we don't you don't have that clearly defined you don't have that clearly defined person across across from you that you can put put your efforts towards it's it's a it's just a daily grind of like you know what what's going on what's going on today in the world and how do i how do i feel about this and and when how and and where and when can i express my my opinions on this like do i want to risk losing my job and getting canceled like what so i mean there's so many it can just get so so murky and just so you know just just so i don't know so complicated because it is more on a psychological and a spiritual front uh in in this day and age and um so one question that i do want to ask you here kind of as we're uh you know we're here on the the back half of the uh the podcast um i know you said that you that you are uh that you, you know god willing that you will be a husband and a, and a father someday that that is something that's that's become going to become a priority in in your life and and uh uh, so what, what are you looking for, uh, forward to most about, about, uh, being a husband and a father? Gosh, I guess I'm, I'm working so much more on the work to, to get there, you know, kind of spiritually and, you know, financially, cause you want a nest egg, you know, to start mm-hmm. with. And I hadn't even really been too busy, you know, on the road to get there, but, um, you know, my girlfriend and I, you know, is waiting to get proposed to, and she knows it's coming, you know, everyone ever our parents both sets of parents know all our friends know and um you know I, I guess what i'm looking forward to most is i mean orthodoxy is a little bit different uh, marriage wise than you know the two more western forms of christianity um you know there's no till death to us part not that you know there's marriage in heaven but um it really is they do believe it's you know one flesh and a joining of two souls and I think that's 
that's powerful. I think that's a true force multiplier in in the good that one can do in the world in God's name on the path of sanctification and salvation. You know, in, in Orthodoxy, they say you either you're either married to God as a monastic or you're married to a spouse. Like there's no singleness. That, that doesn't exist for us. Um, so to be, you know, one flesh and have a marriage of spirit with the woman that I love that God very clearly put front and center in my life or I wouldn't have I wouldn't have dated anybody because I wasn't. Um, you know, to fulfill that first and foremost, I think is is the most powerful thing. And I think just the way we build together um, and the way we have a walk of faith together as one flesh is going to be so incredibly powerful. And honestly, I'm struggling to put it into words because I'm, I'm just not on the other side. I, I know about it. I hear about it from people. I, just, I see it. Um, but it's, they call marriage one of the great mysteries, even for people who are still in marriage. So, being in that mystery, being in that blessing, being in that sacrament with the woman I love is what more could I possibly look forward to? And then, you know, children would be an extension of us. I think a lot of people fall into the pitfall of putting the children first when the, the children come from the marriage. So if you put the children first, you put in the cart before the horse. You see that a lot in the secular West. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really tough to see. I, I see that more often than not, unfortunately, growing up, which maybe made me subconsciously cynical, even though I didn't want to be about marriage. Um, but, you know, to, to raise children in orthodoxy, to raise children in what will hopefully be a more restored world culturally and spiritually in the West. Because, um, you know, you and I might not see the fruits of our labor in our lifetime, which is yeah. kind of a tough pill to swallow the work you're doing, the work Brendan's doing, Will, Will Spencer, Ryan King, all these, all these people, we might not see the fruits of it. And that's kind of okay. We have to do our part regardless. Yeah. Um, but raising them as sort of the next generation, raising our children, the next generation that will help restore um, really the faith, the whole, the Holy spirit, you know, giving space in the Western world for the Holy spirit to move truly in his church in the, in the church of Christ. It's just, what more could I ask for? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the thing itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I will say this, having, having gotten to know you here over the, you know, our, our talk here today and, and a little bit over um, talking with you over Instagram and, and just knowing your content and knowing your heart. I, I do know uh, that you'll be a you'll be a fantastic husband and and a, and a, a great father. Uh, so I, I'm really uh, really happy for you that that's that's coming down the pike for you here soon. And and uh, just wish you wish you the best with that. And and uh, you know I I again I, I think you'll I think you'll do do well with that. And and you'll you'll you seem like a man who will continue to to lean into uh into your faith when uh when times get challenging with that and so uh, i would just you know being being a little bit uh older maybe not necessarily wiser but being a little bit older uh in my life i would just uh, encourage you to to absolutely just keep that uh that faith journey uh front and center but uh, um one Thank question you very much appreciate that yeah yeah absolutely yeah and um one uh, one question that I do want to ask you to kind of wrap things up here is um, this is a, a question that I ask uh, a lot of uh, 
a lot or most of my guests um in on the on the podcast and so it's kind of the 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 main question to start off uh is one that i ask each guest and then the uh this is kind of the uh the get the 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 last question that I ask is, um, what, what advice and counsel would you give to, uh, a young man who's kind of ready to give up on things, ready to give up on the world and just kind of unplug and maybe, you know, maybe go into maybe becoming red pill or becoming MGTOW just, you know, they're just kind of really fed up with society. They don't think there's any worth in, uh, you know, in marriage, or they don't think there's any worth in some of the, the values that, that we're, uh, we're kind of despite we're, you know, that we're talking about here, you know, what, what would your advice be to a young man who like that, who's, who's kind of lost and, and, uh, and needing some guidance? Well, first of all, don't panic. Um, the gun you know, the gun to your head that the demons are pointing is nowhere near as real as they make it out to be. The devil is nothing but a master illusionist, but those illusions can just seem so real. So the first thing is to not panic. There's the there's the very obvious answer if I say come to Christ. But aside from that, you know, more in the realm of masculinity itself, um, you need to cultivate two things and be the master of both of them. And that is detachment and emotional intelligence. A lot of people, you know, think quote unquote, emotional intelligence is gay or whatever. No, no, this is another, um, this is another half truth being thrown out there saying, well, therapy makes men weak. Mm. No, knowing your emotions, knowing every single last one of them, so they can't be used against you is very vital. And knowing, your own motivations for things and whether they're righteous or corrupt and being able to discern that and destroy the ones that are corrupt and foster the ones that are righteous is very valuable. And the counterbalance force to that is detachment. So you need to know your emotions, but you also need to detach from your emotions. The emotions coming at you that are saying you should opt out. You should just give up. You should go for broke because it's ultimately lazy to just, Oh, I'm going to go to the mountains and just screw it. You know, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be red pilled and try to sleep around, you know, screw it, whatever, you know, it's, it's emotional and you're letting the emotions get your best, the best of you. If you detach from the, the situation, if you remove yourself from those emotions, first of all, then you can make sounder decisions. And when it comes time, when you're in a, a time and space where you can dissect those emotions more, you can do so without them absolutely destroying your life. So some people go too far to the emotional intelligence side to the point where men stop being men of action and therefore stop being men. And some people go too far to the detachment standpoint where they get overly stoic or they get cold. And that, that's, a, that's a gateway towards being um, a godless man. That's a gateway towards being an evil man. Um, you need to be able to master and balance both. Uh, then things will be a lot clearer for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Yeah. I, I... I would just, you know, parrot that and just saying that, yeah, it's, there's, there's more, there's more out there than what, you know, what secular society is, is, uh, is espousing and, in in preaching. And, and even I've had many guests on the, on the show that are big proponents of, of therapy. And yeah, I, I, again, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I think that finding a, a good, a good therapist and, and someone who's, who's it's a faith-based therapy as well, I think is, is very crucial. And I I think me personally, I think everybody needs some type of, of therapy at some point in their life. I mean, there's some people who 
will need it, you know, would only need maybe a couple sessions and they would be, be fine going forward for a while. And then there's some people who just kind of need that. I feel like need that on a, on a very consistent basis in, in their life. So, um, also, you know, I mean, you, you run a, a men's group or, you know, that, uh, there's a men's group app aspects, part of your, part of your fitness, part of your fitness platform. Um, I know, uh, you know, Ryan, he, he's got some, some coaching available, Jonathan Rios. He's got some, you know, I would encourage guys like that guys in that situation to plug into men like that, that are, that are in our space and, and, uh, you know, be, be a part of, be part of their brotherhood. Um, we, you know, Brendan Schmidt, masculine revival. He's, uh, got a great, uh, he's got a great platform going and he's got several, uh, you know, he's got men's groups that meet just almost every, you know, few, a few days a week over, over zoom. And, and so, and they're, they're very rewarding and very, uh, very valuable, but, um, um, Brandon or uh, Brandon, Arthur, before we, uh, before we sign off here, um, where are the, uh, the best places for people to find you? on on the uh the wonderful world of the internet uh multiple places uh recently i figured out that you know i'm a long form you know writer and speaker first um so kind of pigeonholing myself on instagram was a bit frustrating so everything is going to be going through substack now uh it's blood and rain uh substack uh be a lot of long form content every week on various topics uh my podcast will also go through there first um so you can find me there at Substack. Uh, you can find the podcast on normal podcast platforms as well. I'm at blood underscore and underscore rain on Instagram, anti.fragile.fitness on Instagram, and the, those respective names on Twitter as well. Awesome. All right. And we will have uh, Arthur's link tree in, uh, in the show notes so you can access all of his platforms through his link tree but uh arthur it has been uh it's been an honor to speak with you today uh and i'm, I'm really glad you were uh thank you that you were able to join me today and and uh, discuss some of these topics uh really value your work on uh on instagram and that's actually kind of that's how i found you you know found you through uh through masculine revival i know that uh, uh you and and uh, brendan uh, are, are pretty tight in that regard so um again thank you so much for joining me today this is the discovering masculinity podcast with rebirth season and i will talk to you all next time